Hello, this is Brian Lane, lead pastor of FAM Church, and this is our podcast. Today we continue our Christmas series called A Christmas Carol. Join us on a journey through the ghosts of Christmas and the lessons that Jesus can teach us through them. Welcome to Christmas Carol Part 2. Um, we started part one a couple weeks ago, and you know, I got to tell you, uh, after the first part, I was kind of amazed at just how this preaching thing works in my life, because, you know, I get, I get done speaking, and I come off the stage, and, you know, people share their feelings with you as to how the message went, and I had a couple of people come to me and say, man, that was really good, it really spoke to me, and I had a couple of people come to me and say, man, what was that, okay, and so you're just blown away, and I'm, I could keep talking about that, but I'm not going to, because it'll probably get me in trouble, and so I'm going to keep my mouth shut, but we're going to review from what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, because it's been a couple of weeks, and so let's review our first week in Scrooge, and so in week one, Scrooge was visited by the ghost of Jacob Marley, his old partner, and then by the ghost of Christmas past. Both Marley and the ghost of Christmas past let Scrooge know that his past was creating for him and his life a chain. Okay? This chain was going to be something that if Scrooge did not do something about it, he was going to drag it with him throughout all of eternity. And what we saw was is that every person who is ever born faces this same dilemma. See, we face a fate where we're going to have to walk through all eternity with a chain. And that chain is given to us when we're born and that chain is called sin and none of us are born without it. And as we live our life and as we, as we walk away from God and as we continue to sin, that chain gets longer and longer and longer. And so pretty soon, before you know it, we're carrying and dragging an infinitely long chain behind our life. But see, that's not how God called us to live. He called us to live free from the chain. See, he didn't create us to carry a heavy and destructive chain around us our entire life. He created us to be free from the chain of sin. He didn't want our life to be weighed down. And so 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and he lived and he died and he was resurrected so that we could be set free from that chain. But the more challenging truth here is that there's many people who follow Jesus who even though Jesus has set them free from the chains, they still carry chains around in their life. And we saw that those three chains were the same chains as the ghosts that visit Scrooge on this faithful night. You have the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. And each of us is in a place that in order to live the life that Jesus wants us to live, we need to be woken up to those chains that we carry. And we focused on the chains of our past. As the first ghost was the ghost of Christmas past, he took Scrooge on a journey through his past, which led him to realize that he had many regrets from his past. And there are memories that fill us with happiness and memories that we would just soon forget. And many people let the things of their past define them in their life instead of allowing the one that came to break the chains of our past off of our life define us. And this is the deal. We've got an enemy who is more than willing to come to us and let us know of the things that we did in our past, to remind us of those things, to speak those things into our life so that we continue to have and carry this chain on us. He will tell us, you've been too bad to deserve God's love. You've done too many things. You've messed up too much, and God does not have a place for you. There's nothing he can do for you. But can I tell you, that is a lie. 
See, Jesus is standing there saying, look, take those chains, give them to me, let me define you and your past. And we saw three things that Sunday that are there to help us keep these chains off of our life. And these three things are this, that if you've given your life to Jesus, you are completely forgiven of your past. See, Jesus has said he has completely wiped out our past. Okay, there is nothing there hanging on. There is nothing there holding on. There is nothing there that can control our life unless we let it. You are completely forgiven, and the ghosts from your past are completely destroyed. There's, you're completely new, and there's nothing anyone can do to change that. The second is this, is that you are chosen and highly valuable. You are so valuable that God gave his life for us. Jesus came and gave his life because he didn't want us to be held our whole life by chains, by a, gross, a ghost from our past. He wanted us to be free because we have incredible value to him. And then finally, we are unconditionally loved. So many people think their past disqualifies them from what God wants to do in their life, from walking with God in power and might, but it is simply not true. There's nothing that your past can do to keep you from walking and being who God has called you to be. That was last week. Or two weeks ago, sorry. I don't know why I wrote last week in my notes. Like, I knew it wasn't last week. All right, so let's move on to this week, all right? So this week, Scrooge has an encounter with the ghost of Christmas present. This ghost is described by Dickens as a majestic giant, And I know that's how many of you describe me to people you meet on the streets. He's majestic. I may not be a giant, but I'm sure you tell everybody how majestic I am. But he's wearing a green robe, and he's there to show Scrooge the present. He's there to show Scrooge what's going to happen on this Christmas day that they are about to come into. And first, he takes Scrooge over to the house of one of his only employee, uh, Bob Cratchit. And, and uh, Scrooge stands outside the window of this very tiny house with this very meager meal that Bob Cratchit is able to feed his family because of the poor salary that Scrooge is paying him. But it also focuses in on... Uh, 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 Tiny Tim, Cratchit's physically challenged son. And the thing that blew Scrooge away in this was a a kid who had so little could have so much happiness and joy. And then they move from there and they go to his nephew Fred's house. Scrooge had turned down an invitation to dinner at Fred's house, and so Scrooge sees the party that he's going to miss. He enjoys watching from the outside the window so much that he doesn't want to leave. He wants the ghost to keep him there until it's over. See, Scrooge realizes that this is a part of the things he is going to miss because of where he is focused at in the present. See, he is focused in the present on himself and his money. And for many, many people, a chain that they carry with them is the chain of the present. And you may be saying to yourself, what does that mean? Well, we live in a distracted culture, don't we? We live in a culture that has a hard time prioritizing the important. You see, what we do is everything that comes our way, we try to prioritize it as something that's important. And that's not something we're supposed to carry. It's a chain we're supposed to be free from. 
And so to look at today and how we can break this chain of the present, we're going to be in the book of Luke in the New Testament. Uh, Luke is the third book of the New Testament. We're going to be in chapter 2. Um, I'm going to re- be reading verses 8 through 20. If you are not familiar with where Luke is at or don't have a Bible with you, it'll be on the screen behind me for you to follow along. And uh, this is what it says. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth whose peace peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherd returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. All right, so we're going to start off this morning in this text by talking about our shepherd friends here. And um, as their name implies, these guys we're out taking care of the sheep in the field, okay? That was their job. That's who they were. They were hired to make sure that nothing happened to someone else's sheep, okay? They, they, it was their responsibility to make sure that uh, none of the wild animals came and attacked them. And really, this was at nighttime when these angels appeared. And this was the time of day that they had to be the most vigilant. Why? Because that's when all the predators are out hunting, right? If you're going to get attacked by a lion, a wolf, or a bear, it's probably not going to happen at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's more likely going to happen right before sunrise, right after sunset, somewhere in that area, because the predators are out on the prowl looking for food. And so when these guys were out there at this time of night when these angels showed up, they were paying attention. They were focused on the sheep. They were focusing on the flocks that they were there to protect and keep guard over. And the important part is not that they were paying attention. The important part was that they were able to assess the situation and make a determination of what was important in the present and what was not. They had this job that they were getting paid for. Was that the most important thing? They had an encounter with the Savior. Was that the most important thing? See, many of us today... (laughs) I sucked a piece of dust into my throat and I can't get it out. Dana's getting me some water. Many of us today have a hard time distinguishing between what's important and what's not. Something comes along and we do this. Something else comes along and, oh, that's a priority too. And pretty soon this other thing comes along and that's a priority as well. Pretty soon we have this list of priorities in our life that are this long. And we're sitting there trying to fit all of these things into our life and our schedule. And so what do we do? We look at that list, we get stressed out, right? We get really stressed out when we look at this and we say, man, I've got all of these priorities I've got to take care of. I've got all of these things i got to do. So we get stressed out. And so in our mind, we start to categorize what's most important. Because we decide, okay, I've got to do something here. I've got to do what's most important. What's going to give me the greatest value? 
what's going to give us the greatest return on our time that we spend. And going back to our shepherd situation here, I think that if we, modern Americans, even the modern American Christian, were to be put in the same situation as these shepherds were, based on our valuation system, we would choose our jobs as shepherds over the opportunity to have an encounter with Jesus. Why do I say that? Because that's kind of a bold statement. But it's our modern value system. Even in the church, we place more value on making money than we do encountering Jesus. See, our value system says our life experiences and vacations are more of value than encountering Jesus. It says the cars that we own, the houses that we live in, our position, our power, and our place has more value than an encounter with Jesus. See, our kids in their lives have more value than an encounter with Jesus. Baseball, football, basketball, hockey. I don't know if anyone plays hockey around here, but uh, coming from Minnesota, you know the, uh, the kind of value people place on hockey. My sister literally lets her life revolve around her son Joey's hockey schedule, okay? That's how she plans her life, hockey. And we rationalize it like this. We say, well, I got bills to pay. Ain't Jesus going to come and pay none of my bills? And then since I got to work so hard for that money, I'm going to play hard and relax when I have the free time. Besides, I'll have all eternity to spend with Jesus. I only get one life here. Can I tell you that's a very dangerous attitude to have? We have been taught that once we have given our lives to Jesus, our spot in heaven is guaranteed. We have done all that we need to do. We can check that off our list, and we don't have to worry about that anymore. We think it's not what I do or don't do for Jesus that matters, but the truth is, it does. See, Jesus says in Matthew 3, 8, that we are supposed to be bearing fruit and keeping with our repentance. And many believers live their lives in the chains of the present because their value system does not allow them to value the presence of God above all these other things. And I believe that there are many believers living right now in the place that they are at because of how and where they place their values. There are probably some of you in this room right now asking yourself the question, why? Why do I serve God? It doesn't seem like things get better in my life. It doesn't feel like these things that I want to get rid of and remove from my life are going away. It doesn't seem like God is real and present in the each and every single day. Well, the deal is, is that usually God will leave us to seek what we value most. So you got to understand, God isn't going to come up to you, grab you, and drag you off screaming and shouting, okay? God is not going to come and just take his spirit and slam it down into you like some sort of professional wrestler and get you to do something you don't want to do. If we're in a place where we're saying to ourselves, I've got these values and this is how I'm going to live, God is going to say to you, that's fine, that's acceptable, you go do you but there will be consequences for doing you. And that's what we have to understand, is many times the chains that we hold on to in the present are there 
Because we don't want to do what's necessary to lift and remove the chains from our life. So how do we make that choice? How do we get to the place where our present is not wrapped in the chains of the present? What do we do to adjust our value system so that we have our values in the right alignment? So the shepherds did a few things here that can help us throw off the chains of the present. And the first thing that happens was that when God spoke, they moved. The angels appeared, and once they announced the birth of the king, they got up and moved. It says that after the angels left, they decided to go where God was telling them to go. God spoke, they moved. Do we have the same response in our life when it comes to God speaking? See, I think so many of us struggle with this because many times we'll rationalize the voice of God. Oh man, you know, I ate at that taco truck and they threw some serious jalapenos on that taco. That's all that was. You know, or we'll say to ourselves, and this is the one that always surprises me, God, God wouldn't call me to something crazy. God, God, God wouldn't call me to do something that's not safe. Let me tell you, yeah, that's right, Maurice. You don't know God. Because God ain't going to give you something just a little crazy. He'll give you a whole lot of crazy, okay? The shepherds didn't let the craziness of the situation dictate their response, and we can't either. When God speaks, we need to move. Because here's what happens when God speaks and we fail to move. Okay, there's a verse in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verse 1. It's not going to be on the screen. It's really short. I'm going to read it. It says this. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Why was that the case? Well, if you go back to the previous historical book there, the book of Judges, you can look at the nation of Israel. And every time God tried to speak to the nation of Israel, the Israelites kind of turned their back and said, God, we're going to do our own thing here. God, we're going to go our own way here. And so God just finally quit speaking and giving visions. And see, this is the danger that we face when we decide we're not going to listen to the voice of God and what he is speaking. There's going to come a point where God is going to say, you know what, I'm not going to give you my voice and my word anymore because when I speak, you don't even listen to it, so why should I waste my time? And we're putting ourselves in a dangerous place when we do that as well because we risk God's voice disappearing from our lives. Don't hold on to the chains of the present and immediate and miss out on God speaking. When God speaks, we need to move. The second thing flows out of the first, and it's when we do that, when we move, when God speaks, it's going to be scary. The text tells us that the shepherds were fearful when God came and they spoke. I mean, just think about it. If we had a bunch of angels show up in here, I mean, we've got, we got, we got the shepherds and stuff over here, but we don't have the angels. But if we were sitting here and all of a sudden a bunch of angels showed up in this room and started speaking to us, we wouldn't have these little things that look like, what are those, those little angel things called that people used to buy? To, the chair, I don't know. what. Yeah, these little figurines. I remember they were collecting them for a while. People were collecting them. Huh? The precious, the, uh, whatever. Okay, the angels don't look like that, all right? 
Everybody who's seen an angel describes something that's like 10 feet tall, you know, that's got shoulders as wide as the midsection of this stage, okay? And so it was not a pleasant experience for these shepherds. They saw that and they were scared to death. They heard the word that the Savior was born and they were fearful. But see, when God calls, when he speaks, when he directs, sometimes, many times, his word is going to cause fear in us. And it's only in stepping into that fear, pushing past that fear, that we will see the chains of the present break. I mean, I remember when God called me into youth ministry. I had absolutely no desire to go into youth ministry. And really, when I was in college, we had no plans on going into ministry whatsoever, okay? That was not on our plans of what we were going to do for our life. As a matter of fact, Dana and I had that conversation because she didn't want to be in ministry either, okay? She'd grown up in a home where her dad was a pastor and she had no desire to be in ministry, Okay, and so here we are, we're at Christ the Rock Church in Boston, Massachusetts, and and we're serving there, I'm working a full-time job, and um, God speaks, and he tells me, I want you to go into youth ministry, okay? So the first thing I think of is what I was like when I was a 16-year-old kid, okay? I was not a good 16-year-old kid, okay? Any of you you parents in this room that have teenagers in your house or have had teenagers in your house, I listened to some of your stories, and I was like, man, you wouldn't be able to handle me in your house then. I got in a hole, my mom and I were talking about that at Thanksgiving. I mean, it was just like, <clears throat> you know, whatever time my mom said to be home, I always had to be home later. Didn't matter. She could tell me to be home at 6 a.m. and I'd walk in the door at 7. I didn't care. You know, it was just, that's, what I, that's who I was. I was a whole lot of trouble. And I just thought to myself, God, I don't want to deal with people like me. Has anyone been there before? And it took God literally two months of talking and speaking to me to get me to the place where I walked into our pastor's office and said, hey, I believe God is calling me to this position. See, there's going to be fear when God speaks and calls us in the present, but those fears are worth pushing past because pushing through those fears are what is called faith. And faith is what can break the hold of the chains of the present on our life. And I know that there are people in this room today that are in this spot right now. God has spoken into your life. God has said something to you, but you are finding yourself living and holding on to fear. You're afraid of what's going to take place if you say yes. But can I tell you this? Two weeks ago, we talked about the past and defeating the chains of the past. Sometimes, defeating the chains of the past starts in the present with us saying yes to what God wants. So a year from now, we don't have to look back at the regret that's in our life and try to break that chain off of our life. And the final thing I see here is that after all this was done, the shepherds went back to their jobs. Many of you are probably thinking, well, what does that mean? Here's the deal. In the present, I'm pretty confident they wanted their jobs because I'm sure as a shepherd they weren't independently wealthy and their jobs didn't go anywhere. See, many people think that the price they are going to pay to get rid of the chains of the present is too high. God's going to ask them to do something they don't want to do and they're going to hate their life because of it. I've had many people tell me, man, I don't want, I don't, I don't want God to direct my life because he's going to 
take me someplace. Like, he's going to take me from my hometown and move me across the country or move me to another part of the world. And, man, that's the last thing that I want. Uh, I want to be here with my family and with my friends. And, and uh, he's going to give me this junk, and, and I don't want that. You know, you think of your grandmother and the Christmas sweater that she gave you when you were nine, and you looked at this thing, and you're like, geez, that's hideous. I'm never going to wear that again. All right? Let me show you a gift I got. I think I've shown this before. I got this gift. It says Jamaica on the back side, right? Let me show you the front. Now, I was a youth pastor, and this was given to me by a youth in our youth ministry. On the front, we have a lovely pot leaf, okay? Okay, this was a gift a kid gave me. Can I tell you this is a really bad gift? Especially if you're thinking of giving a gift to your pastor. Okay, so youth, if you want to give something to Pastor Lisa, do not give her a wallet or purse with a pot leaf on it. And you may be saying to yourself, why did you hold on to that? Because nobody would believe me if I told this story later in life. So I have held on to this wallet so that I could show it to people. Because no, nobody did that. Yes, they did. Here's the proof. See, God doesn't do that to us. I mean, think about what we are saying about God. If we're saying, you know what, God's going to give me junk. God's going to give me a pot leaf wallet. That's not who he is. See, here's what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. For anyone Everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. This is the important part. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much for more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? See, God gives good gifts. Not only does he give good gifts, that's the only kind of gift God knows how to give. He's not going to give us junk. He's not going to give us garbage. He's going to give us good gifts. See, this means that whatever God is calling you to, whatever he is leading you into, if you go with it, you are going to get his best. And you know, I know we all have things that we kind of want and desire in life. Guess what? God's best will include some of those things. Okay? It's not like saying that because I'm following Jesus, I'm not going to get a great vacation. Because I'm following Jesus, I'm not going to get to live in a nice house or drive a nice car or have money in the bank. That's not what we're saying here. But what we're saying here is that those things cannot be the chains that we carry around in our life. We have to be free from those to hear the voice of God and go where God is calling us regardless of what we're feeling because he is going to give us good gifts. And so this morning in closing, I believe that there's some people that need to be broken free from the chains of the present. 
You have allowed the present to overwhelm you. You've allowed the present to become a burden upon your shoulders. You've allowed the things of the present to keep you from doing and experiencing what God wants you to do and experience. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus can break those chains off of your life. All you have to do is be willing to say, yes, God, let's do this. Let's go where you want me to go. Help me to set my priorities straight in life so that I'm going in the place and the direction that you want me to go. Help me to overcome my fear. Help me to push through that and understand that you've got an incredible gift waiting on the other side of this. God can set you free from those chains today. God can set you free. And so what I want to do is I just want to take a moment. I'm realizing that asking people to come forward doesn't kind of work in this church. And so we're not going to do that. And I just want you to spend a moment just allowing Jesus to search your heart. Allowing Jesus to kind of look through what's going on in your present. And speak to those areas that maybe you need to give to him Say yes to God, get over the fear, and receive the good gift he's got waiting on the other side. And so just close your eyes, bow your head, and just allow the Holy Spirit a minute to minister and speak to you. Thank you for joining us on the FAM Church Podcast. FAM Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love for you to join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. Thank you again and have an amazing day.